This is This Week in Common Sense with Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkel, and I'm going to help Paul run through the columns that he wrote this week on thisiscommonsense.org. This is for the first full week of December 2021. And uh, the piece that he really wants to talk about is Citizenship Not Required, which came on December 8th. Now, the other pieces that he wrote this week include uh, Inclusion on Compulsion on Monday, No Longer Compelled on Tuesday, the pivotal issue on Thursday, and then today on Friday, we're recording on a Friday, Commie Beyond the Pale, which is an interesting case of uh, the Comptroller of the Currency nominee that Biden put up, and then she withdrew when she turned out to be a communist. Citizenship Not Required is about allowing non-citizens in New York City to vote. Is that correct? That is correct. Although there's one piece Monday's piece, Inclusion on Compulsion, which is about this idea that we're doing women a favor by extending draft registration to women as a bit of equality and so on, and that they deserve to be part of the you know, lottery that forces people into the military. And, um, and so, and of course, I've spoken about this, written about this many, many times, at thisiscommonsense.org. Uh, I believe in defending the country. I believe we should do it with free people. I think that's the best way to defend it and the only way in keeping with our values, as uh, President Reagan famously said before he then kind of went, went the wrong way on it. But, but, uh, but what we had happen this week, and, and maybe... Maybe it wasn't just because of my commentary, which, of course, sparked mass protests and riots and uh, chaos throughout the world. But this week, for the second time, the Senate stripped out the part that said yes of the National uh, Defense Authorization Act, the part that said they would extend draft registration to women. And the courts have pretty much looked at this and said, it's it's uh, not equal protection if it affects men but not women because women can be in every you know combat position uh, that a man could be and of course you know I, I hate the whole idea of conscription it's not necessary it's foolish this is pretend preparedness because the list is ridiculous and and that's not how you you defend especially in this modern era when mass armies aren't aren't really the way people are going but all that being said once again the senate backed off and i think they backed off and pulled that out even though all the editorial boards had said yes this is the quality and it's a wonderful thing because they realized that there are people who are going to be voting next november and those people, if they hear that you voted, that maybe their daughter ought to be subject to the military draft, they may not like that. And someone may remind them of that, like right before the election. So uh, all of a sudden it's gone. And of course, the Supreme Court on this issue has done what courts should never do. The Supreme Court should have taken a case that was coming up on this. And they basically decided not to with the idea that they even articulated that, well, Congress is dealing with it. Give me a break. Congress is dealing with it. That's like your check is in the mail is correct. 
a lot more times than Congress is dealing with it. Come on. So anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, draft registration is not going to be extended to women. Um, and ultimately, that may end draft registration altogether. And well, it should, because the courts will strike it down as, as unconstitutional, discriminating against men. And what are we even talking about? We have, look, we have our problems in foreign policy, but our military is not really one of them. Um, we're, it, you know, we have one of the best militaries in the history of the world in terms of its makeup as people, as far as technology and other things. Now, you, you never can, you know, you can't keep fighting the last war and you can't ever rest on your laurels. Um, you know, I'm the type of person who 20, 30 years ago, if we would have said we need a space force, I would have said, you're crazy. You know, what are we trying to just spend extra money on defense? Now, all of a sudden, when, when Trump started the space force a few years ago, I thought, thank goodness. Where have we been? You know, China's got all kinds of things up in space. We've seen Russia can blow up satellites and so on without, without giving people much notice beforehand. And, uh, and, and so we need to be serious about defending the country. And frankly, having a bunch of 18-year-olds browbeat into signing up or just put on a list they, they say that most of the people that are on the draft registration list were put on the list. They didn't sign up. They didn't give their information. They got a driver's license or a library card or something. And they got thrown on the list. And, and then, of course, like 18-year-olds don't ever move. So they never updated. The whole thing, if, if, if you ever had to draft, you'd go to a new list. You'd go to the marketplace and say, do you have a list of 18-year-olds? And the truth is, in any sort of emergency you know, they already had the draft in World War II is the only reason they, they used it. And it probably helped because they had such hordes of people after Pearl Harbor wanting to go. So it's, it's this, whole, this whole debate is a, a almost absurd bureaucratic, you know, kabuki dance to like, you know, that has no relation to the fact that we do live in a dangerous world and we ought to kind of figure out how best to protect ourselves. And it's not some stupid list that, you know, in some, you know, uh, 1950s computer in some building in Washington. Anyway, uh, so that's, I, I said too much about that, but, uh, but go read it. It's called Inclusion on Compulsion. And um, I don't think people want to be included on that. And then, of course, you know, as you pointed out, uh, Tim, on the other uh, scripts, we're talking as usual about the fact that, you know, we we have a a real lack of uh, freedom and freedom of speech uh, is is increasingly under assault. The other thing about the, the commie, I think, is, uh, is important just because it's like so obvious that that was the problem. So you might mention that. Well, you're talking about the Biden appointee for the comptroller of the currency who turned out to have written about Marx in the Soviet Union during the days of the Soviet Union. And then she's written some rather radically socialist papers fairly recently. And she had to withdraw her nomination. You know, so often we see people that that, you know, here there there was no real 
uh, defense of what was being said. But but we have all kinds of people who it doesn't seem to be too far to be a communist. And and I'm not looking to, you know, uh, uh, you know, look, you, you can believe what you want to believe. And, and if you're the plumber or you're something else, then then that may be fine. But if you're working for the people in our government and you're controlling things like the Treasury, I kind of think that that's not what we want. When you and I were young, and it's been ever since then and started before, that the worst thing that ever happened in modern times was the McCarthy business about uh, trying to root out communists in the federal government. And I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. It, of course, I'm not saying that was a good way they did it, but because I don't even know the history that well, frankly. I have to say I don't either. But but I, I kind of share the view that that um, the fact that uh, whether whether McCarthy was right occasionally or 92% of the time or 0% of the time, it's not good to have communists in the government. Um, and, you know, there were communists, whether whether he was on a big witch hunt to, you know, be a big shot and so on. That may or may not be true. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not any expert on that history. I know we're supposed to not like him and supposed to think he's a terrible guy. And he was a congressman. So so chances are he was a terrible guy. No, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat kidding. I'm half kidding. Anyway, uh, but but it's not good to have communists in the government. And, you know, to this day, we uh we I hear people all the time talk about, you know, China and the and and kind of say what I've long suspected and sometimes mentioned and sometimes not where they'll say, you know, it seems like our government wants to be the Chinese government. And well, well how, do, how do you know? How do you notice that? What are the what's the similarities? Well, the similarities are that they want a state that controls about every aspect of our existence, including what we can say and post online. And, and, you know, look, it doesn't, it, you know, dictatorship or, or uh, communism with Chinese characteristics has been, you know, communism. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, when I think about where a lot of politicians would take us if there was no, if we weren't pushing back and big problem that they have in China is they don't have any way to push back. And they do, I'm sure, have found different ways, but it's a lot harder when you can't just vote them out. And people, people don't remember the complete clampdown on Hong Kong came after months of protests where Literally, at, at they estimate 2 million people, and I believe the total population of the island is like 8 million. So one out of every four people participated in those protests. But then, you know, there were some, some the, the protests turned violent here or there, which usually meant the police or hired thugs had beat people up. But what happened at the end of that year, uh, 2019 of protests, was an election in Hong Kong for local offices. Now, these were not big prestigious offices, very localized neighborhood type different offices. A slate of pro-democracy candidates ran. They had not run before. They captured 
87% of the seats. So the clampdown that happened on Hong Kong, people know about the protests. And, and don't get me wrong, I think those protests are, it's like a miracle, a miracle happened that if, if China doesn't take over most of the world and enforce this totalitarian silence, it will be largely because of what the people in Hong Kong did in 2019 in protesting weekend after weekend, day after day, week after week, um, millions of people and, and just you know showing the world how China would behave. But what ultimately caused the clampdown was realizing that they had this vote. And unless they clamp down, they've got to, they're going to have all these people serving in local offices. They have just stumbled into democracy and they didn't like it. And they weren't going to live with it because they can't live with it. And that, you know, you think about hearts and minds and stuff, but that's one of the reasons why they need to snuff out Taiwan. Because Taiwan is the shining example that, yes, you can be free. You can be, um, you know, China, look how prosperous we are. Well, Taiwan's more prosperous. And it's also free and people can, can live the kind of lives that people want to live. And they cannot allow those examples to be sitting there. That's what their whole thing's about. Stop anybody from complaining about us, saying anything about us. We want to be able to, to be terrors and to not have anyone be able to say anything about it. That's what, that's what tyrants have always wanted. So anyway, the, the, um, I'm not sure how I got on this long tangent, Tim, but, but, um, but what happened, I, 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 one of the reasons is whenever I think about the clampdown in Hong Kong, it always bothers me that people know about the protests, but very few people, because it didn't get the same kind of notoriety, know about the elections they held citywide and the incredible uh, election victory for democratic forces in Hong Kong. And this was at the same time that newspapers were running stories about how, well, the protest movement may have, may have upset, you know, business oriented Hong Kong and the people may think that they've gone a little bit too far. Uh, 87% didn't think they'd gone far too far at all. That's about, Real democracy in a city and in a, in a state, Taiwan, and uh, and wanting to have that in China itself. But your piece that you were really exercised to talk about today, the citizenship not required piece, is about a problem in democracy in America. And you are arguing against allowing non-citizens to vote. So some yeah. people may think that you're being anti-democratic, though I don't know how any rational person can say that. Nevertheless, there is a plausible case, if one really destroy, strained for it, that, oh, you don't want somebody to vote, therefore you're anti-democratic. So uh, maybe well, and, you should explain and, yourself, Paul. <laughs> yes, and, and, and I will, because, I mean, you can, you can see it that way. It's a, it's, a, it's a free world. It's a free universe. You can see it that way, and you can say, well, you're for less of a electorate. And of course, that would mean that if you weren't for everyone in the world being able to vote on every, you know, on, on what you're having for dinner tonight, well, you're anti-democratic. Um, but of course, there are certain decisions that are no one else's, that aren't even, shouldn't even be subject to democracy. 
And in fact, that's not anti-democratic because the whole spirit of democracy is within that framework. That was argued really strongly by I.F. Stone in his book on the trial of Socrates. This is a really interesting book from many years ago now, probably 1980-something, in which he basically looked at the Apology and the uh, Crito and a few other, you know, the, the, the main dialogues of Plato and argued that Socrates' argument in self-defense was goading and he didn't make the right argument. And he could have made a better argument about the nature of democracy itself. And whatever you think of I.F. Stone... His argument was that you have rights, and that's what a democracy is. And right. Athens had those rights to some degree. And look at all of history stretched out before us or behind us, or however you want to say that. Rights have been associated in such a large way with democracy, with people being able to vote. And, and authoritarian regimes and the choices, the other menu items None of them are very good. And, and you can argue, well, democracy, you know, look, most Democrats, because they're free to speak freely, will tell you, like Winston Churchill did, that it's the worst form of government, except for all the others. And so if you've got one that's better, then, then let us know. But it's really kind of, I, I get tired of people kind of dumping on democracy it, it, it look, there's going to be bad votes. There's going to, it's not going to always go your way, but I just think to, to act as if, um, and I think this is true among some conservatives, some libertarians that, you know, this, and, and the founders were somewhat concerned with, a, you know, uh, rule by mobocracy and so on. But that's, that's been true from the very beginnings, as you point out of democracy, that there was the concern about it going too far. And, and so there are those, those sorts of rights there. And in, in what, what we're talking about is a situation in New York City where they have a large number, uh, nearly a million, over 800,000 non-American citizens living in New York. And the rules that they're using are that you couldn't vote if you're illegal, if you're here illegally and don't have work permits. Now, of course, you do have work permits if you're under DACA. And there may be some other cases where there's some complexity. So it's not just people who have a green card. There are people living in New York City who may be part of DACA who don't have a green card, but who are have some paperwork that says you are legally able to work in the United States. They are able to vote in New York City. So if you wonder, gee, well, people here illegally, and, and uh, in some cases, they came as children. In some cases, they, they didn't come as children. They're, you know, they're 52 years old today or whatever, but they will be able to vote in New York City. Now, this is, these are on local matters. And I looked at this at first, I, it seemed to me that it made sense that, you know, I, I want, like, if you're going to vote on you know, what the movie we're going to watch tonight is. Well, I want to know you're going to sit and watch the movie. I mean, if you're not watching the movie, who, wh why do I want you to vote on, on what's, what we're going to watch? Or if you're not hungry, you know, don't vote on what we're going to have for dinner. If you're going to my church or my civic group, the bowling league, well, if we're going to decide, well, what are the rules going to be next year for the bowling league? Well, join the bowling league. If you just came one time and you're, 
you know, you kind of like things, but you don't really want to join. And there's no there's no entry fee, but you have to sign a little thing that says, yes, I like the bowling league. I want you to I want you to join or or I don't think you ought to be making the decisions. And like if I were to go to somebody else's house and they were to say, well, next month, what are we going to be deciding or 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 this month we're going to fix the outer part of the house? I wouldn't think that it was up to me to be part of that voting because I'm not there on a permanent basis. Let's say I was living with them for the next two years. Well, the house is kind of permanent. So I am living there. Maybe I'm even helping pay some of the rent to say thanks. And so I'm invested. But, you know, I don't think I get a, a vote on what the side color of the siding is going to be. It's that sort of thing. And it's not, it's not mean, it's not anti-immigrant, it's not xenophobic, it's not racist, to kind of think about what the rules should be and who really should be voting or not voting. And it seems to me that citizenship matters. It's a way to say, yes, I'm an American. And I don't want someone who is not an American to be voting at the city or state level or, and, and there is a law now, a federal law that says you can't vote in federal elections. That's a fairly recent, you know, a few decades old. Who can't, uh, you can't vote. In, what are you saying? Well, yeah, that non-citizens can't vote in federal elections. I think you shouldn't be able to vote unless you're part of the, unless you've joined the group, joined the bowling league, joined the church, joined the civic group, joined the city, joined the state, joined the country. And I think that in this day and age that the national, I mean, when, when the country was first started, you had a lot of times they were allowing non-citizens, people who hadn't, you know, hadn't been in the U.S. long. Well, the U.S. was a very new country. And I think you do have some reasons to want to have decisions, even decisions made at the local level, to be made by people who are American citizens. Because, of course, we're all in this together to some degree. In the same way that one of the arguments made for allowing non-citizens to vote is that, well, they're paying taxes, you know, their kids might be in the schools. And, and of course, there's a counter argument to the kids in the schools and the other things. We don't just allow the people who use the services to vote and decide things. It's also the people who pay for the services. And, and so, you know, obviously you want feedback from people, but voting is much more of a I'm, I'm part of this group. And if you know I'm, you know, I'm not willing to really become a, a, a citizen of this country, I'm going back to another country. Well, you're not taking the city with you. And so it's obviously you envision leaving the city at some point. It's a different sort of commitment to that city. And, um, and, and so it seems to me that, that when you um, say, well, because they're paying taxes, they ought to have a vote, you have to extend that all the way too, which is, well, they're also paying state and federal taxes. I mean, every time they get a gallon of gas, they're paying both state and federal uh, taxes and there's state and federal taxes on other things. And in fact, they're paying social security taxes oftentimes and other, other 
income taxes that go to the federal government. It is to say that this is a matter of right suggests to me that if you're correct, if they by right have a vote locally, well, then by right, they have a vote at the state level and the federal level, too. And in fact, in our system, any state or any city ordinance can be overridden by a state constitutional amendment or even a state statute because the cities and the counties are creatures of the state in the same way that there's a preemption clause and the federal government can strike down any state statute in that way um, if, it, if it goes against a federal statute that is legitimately enacted. And therefore, it's the sort of thing that to say, well, they, this is by right that they should be able to vote. Well, I don't know you how, how you have any block from saying if it's by right, then they have a, vote to, uh, a right to vote at the local level, the state level, and the federal level at every level. As I understand it, uh, every election is run on the local level. That is, there's not separate elections and uh, even in many cases ballots for right. uh, local uh, issues and federal issues. At least in my area, uh, it's the same time and you get, you get all sorts of things coming on the same ballot, which would mean that if you can't have a double, uh, two different standards for who gets to vote, there has to be one standard in those cases, unless they split them off completely. If the, if the city and the county and the state and the federal government all had separate ballots, then uh, then one could make maybe argue that you could have different criteria for who gets to vote. It is the same infrastructure that's holding the elections. It does mean New York City will now have to have separate lists or separate in some way. And of course, some of us will worry that did they separate correctly? Are these people voting? Are they not voting? One element that's in H.R. 1, which is the For the People Act that didn't, thank goodness, uh, didn't pass, uh, and which I mentioned in this piece, uh, uh, one element in that, because it envisions just adding people willy-nilly everywhere around the country, just automatically adding every name you can find to the voter list, it realized it, whoever wrote this monstrosity, um, the evil cooks who put it together. Uh, basically, it's written that if you're a non-citizen who's not able to vote, but you find yourself on a voter registration list, it's not your fault. And if it's found that you as a clerk or somebody else put that non-citizen on the voter list, it's not your fault either. So written in as, and some people like one of the biggest problems that in, when you talk about citizen only voting, people don't believe that there's really places where non-citizens are being given the vote. Um, and so, you know, you're constantly kind of pulling your hair out that people don't realize this is happening. Um, it is happening in, in New York City. We're talking about nearly a million people being added to the, to the rolls. We're talking that if, all of them registered to vote and all won't, but, but it's somewhere between 20 and 25% of the electorate in New York City will be non-citizens. There will be over 110,000 Chinese citizens, folks who owe their allegiance, whether they like it or not, uh, to Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party who will be voting legally. They can't vote in, in China unless they're part of the Chinese Communist Party. 
but they can vote in New York City. So, and, and look, I'm not saying that this is all a plot and that, you know, I have secret coded messages from Beijing where they're all instructed to vote a certain way. I'm just saying that this isn't, this isn't exactly the way I think most of us would set it up if we were setting it up. And, and so here we have, um, you know, are non-citizens getting a vote around the country? Well, in Maryland, there's, there's 11 cities that allow it allow non-citizens to vote. San Francisco, by ballot measure, they're allowing non-citizens to vote. And in fact, are very proud of the fact that they're allowing undocumented uh, non-citizens who are here illegally to vote in elections for school board in, in uh, San Francisco. And uh, Chicago used to have it on the books and they don't even have a school board elections anymore, but they had it on the books. Illinois has a statewide law that's been moving through the legislature that would allow non-citizens to vote statewide on certain things like school boards and other, other local matters. Um, in Vermont, two cities have passed it and the state legislature overrode the governor's veto. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pointing to a map here. That's why my arm is, is like that anyway. Uh, uh, but, the, uh, but two cities passed it. The legislature overrode the governor's veto. So a supermajority, two thirds majority of the legislature saying yes, non-citizens can vote there. And again, I'm not suggesting like in, in New York City, if the majority of people in New York City want non-citizens to vote, well, there's nothing stopping them from my, I mean, there'll be, there'll be lawsuits, but my best knowledge as a non-attorney is that they, there's nothing blocking them constitutionally, statewide or federally, so that they can do that. Now, obviously, the state could get together and say, we're going to pass something which cities cannot allow non-citizens to vote. And that's what I would suggest, is that every state do that. If people go to, uh, to uh, uh, onlycitizens.vote, they will see a petition they can sign saying that's the way it should be and get involved and try to make things happen in their state. Three states, Florida, Colorado, and Alabama, in 2020 passed constitutional amendments saying only citizens in all elections, state, local, federal. Uh, the cycle before that, North Dakota passed it. Big votes, 79% in Florida. But interestingly enough, if let's say that the people of New York State, the people of America say, no, we want non-citizens to vote. We think that that's fine. Well, then let's vote on it. And that's the way it goes. You can't win them all. Interestingly enough, in New York City, which is a pretty liberal place, and this tends to be on the far left that they're supportive of this, in New York City, a majority of Democrats, a majority of Republicans, majority of independents, a majority in every borough of the city, five boroughs, is against letting non-citizens vote giving the vote to non-citizens, they say no. And yet by, by better than two thirds, the city council said yes. Now, what is that about? That seems to me to be about some agenda other than this didn't, didn't come up from the grassroots. In fact, a lot of the opposition to this is from the immigrant community saying, wait a second, I did all these things to be part of this process. And now 
I, I really didn't need to. Hey, you should have just kind of said, hey, I'm going to be here for a while. Don't really want to join the country, but I'd like to vote on what you guys are doing next. And and it's OK. And so this is um, I think some people, you know, are going to view non-citizens voting or 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 see this as illegal people illegally voting. What we're talking about is people legally voting but setting the parameters of who can vote at a level that I just don't, don't think makes any sense. And, um, and it, it could be a serious thing at different times. We, we worried about the Russians, you know, uh, buying Facebook ads. And frankly, I, you know, I wish the Russians spent more of their time buying Facebook ads and, and, and didn't send their troops to the border of Ukraine. You know, that, that'd be, I'm, I'm not so frightened of Facebook ads. But, and, and I, again, as I mentioned before, I'm not suggesting there's a, a fully hatched plot going on. But the idea that 110,000 Chinese nationals are going to vote in New York City, that's, that I don't think is a good idea. Now, I would like to speculate on the agenda here because you know what it looks like. And I, somebody has to say it, and you're too nice of a person to say it. So why don't I say it? Uh, and that is, <laughs> it looks like this is a way that some politicians from one particular party, we don't need to name the party, though you do name it in your piece, uh, from one party that want to get around educating voters on what the Constitution is. Because somebody coming from another country has to actually study the Constitution of the United States and has to answer questions in a quiz. And they actually have to go through a process where they learn something about the country that they're going to be a part of and the political system thereof. And this one particular party, uh, I believe, has been miseducating the public school students most in most parts of the country that most students don't know very much about the Constitution of the United States. So they have an advantage, this one particular party, uh, they have an advantage to push an anti-constitutional agenda and also to apply basically really anti-liberty ideas that are would go against the grain of the Constitution. They already have that lockstep on a bunch of ignorant people who go through colleges and don't even know what's basically there. Uh, I've had close people that I've inquired about who've gone through, you know, eight years of college and had never heard anyone defend, let's say, the Electoral College. Uh, they right. never heard anyone defend it. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but it's in the Constitution. Right, but right, right. And so and what I'm saying is that it looks like this whole agenda is a way of getting people to vote who have, do not know much about the the constitutional system of the United States of America. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what all the motivations are behind it. Obviously, they they like some of these new voters maybe better than the uh, than the old electorate. Uh, but it's a it's a lot of voters in New York, and and that could make a difference in in who's elected in a pretty darn important city. And and again. I, I welcome all of these people to be citizens. And I recognize, too, that our citizenship process needs some work, needs some serious work. But again, you don't, you don't solve that problem by opening up a new one. And I think it's, it's very interesting that you don't hear people talk about, like this New York thing kind of got pushed through by all these 
Democrats, and you're right, it was all Democrats supporting it, but opposing it was a very broad coalition of Republicans and Democrats, including council people who were immigrants, whose parents were immigrants. In other words, this the, the whole thing here is to set up this, we want these new people to vote and we want them to vote because we love immigrants. And you don't want them to vote because you don't love immigrants. And oftentimes I read these stories about this and they'll mention non-citizens in one place. And then the rest of the time they'll talk about immigrants and the people advocating and say, immigrants deserve a chance to vote. Immigrants are important to America. And I'm thinking, well, you're exactly right. Yes, you're exactly right. But they have to become citizens. And, and so it's, it, you know, I just see this again and again. And it, it, it also is designed, I think, to rip apart any healing scabs on immigration or anything else. It's designed to not have any kind of, you know, uh, sure points where we can all stop and then put our anchors down and agree that this is solid ground we can all agree on. And I think that 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 creates, you know, more chaos and more chaos. And, and, you know, we've talked about this numerous times. There appears to be, and we've written about it. It's it's kind of tough to write about because it's not as if there's you know there's a, a organization out there, Americans for Chaos. Um, but it seems that a lot of our politicians and and you know political apparatchiks uh, around the the process they like chaos, and um, and because it it you know when there's chaos, people want order. And government can come in and provide that order. Fear and chaos, you know, kind of the crescendo is all of a sudden now we've got this uh, very orderly state where you can't post anything that might disturb the peace on social media. And you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, I think you covered the subject pretty well. And you did write it on, uh, that was a, Thursday piece is that correct? Or it was it was Wednesdays. It was the day before they voted. Oh, how did so it turn out? It, it passed with uh, about uh, two thirds of the vote. Uh, all Democrats voting in favor of it. Uh, of course, you know New York's an overwhelmingly Democratic uh, city, but you you had on the other side Democrats, Republicans, you know non you know independents, and uh, and I thought it was very interesting. Um, uh, Americans for Citizen Voting did a poll, and um, the the unanimity. I you know around the country, this is this issue has been polled many times, and it tends to be an eighty twenty or nearly eighty twenty issue. The twenty being more questionable, but people have a basic sense that you know you're supposed to be a citizen of the country to vote. You know we have four different constitutional amendments that say the right of United States citizens. You know when 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 it was written about that you can vote regardless of race it was the right of united states citizens to vote regardless of race regardless of sex even if you're not 21 you're 18 as long as you're a united states citizen um so that's the way people have always envisioned it and it is is uh, and it's not the way it's always been done obviously we've had kind of a you know an interesting history to to uh you know 
basically build out this uh, this part of the globe. But um, but that's the way people think about it. And, you know, when you when you uh, consider in Alabama, when they voted to put this on the ballot, uh, they didn't do it by initiative. They did it by the legislature. It was unanimous. It was unanimous in both houses. In uh, next door in Georgia, they didn't want to put it on the ballot because they had Senate races and other things that the Democrats didn't want it. So it was a party line vote that said, no, we don't want it on the ballot. And it was the pretense that this is a non-issue. This is not happening. It's like a lot of things. These are not the droids you're looking for. This is a, oh, they're just saying that. Their CRT is not being taught in schools. Well, and if it is, it's just fine. Um, what we keep hearing is this is ridiculous. This is stopped in state law. Almost every state in this country has a constitutional provision that says every United States citizen who's reached the age of 18 and is not in some hooskow gets to vote. But that doesn't say that someone who's not a U.S. citizen cannot vote. And the changes that these states like Florida and Colorado have made to their constitutions is to simply, instead of saying every citizen, to say only United States citizens. And, and so this is a, it's a very simple change. It's the way most people envision it was always meant in the first place, but it hasn't really become an issue until more and more cities went to give this uh, right to vote to non-citizens. And I think there is going to be a backlash. I hope there is, because otherwise I think we, we do run into some real problems. And it strikes me, it's a little bit like the issue of, uh, you know, we need to grab everybody's guns because the police will protect us, we were told by people on the left. And then, then we were told that we can't trust the police. We can't trust the police for anything. We need to completely defund them. So we're told that we need to, you know, do we need to trust police completely and then we can't trust them at all. And and here, I think we're we're kind of being told that uh, this isn't happening at all. Nothing to worry about. And then we find out that uh, but but we've just we've just pushed over 800,000 non-citizens onto the voting rolls in New York City. And you see things like in this in this HR uh, one, where they've already written in protections for people who might be putting non citizens on the voting rolls. So this is not happening in some these aren't all accidental things that just bumped into each other. Um, I would encourage people to go to onlycitizens.vote if you care about this issue. Simple way to, to fix it. Uh, uh, Chris Arps, who's the head of uh, Americans for Citizen Voting, was quoted in the New York Times and and a great quote where he just says, this is not about immigration. We want we want immigrants to become citizens and vote. But we don't want non-citizens to vote. That's it's as simple as that. OK, well, you almost sold me. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I get to keep working on you, though. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Certainly. I mean, I don't think very many people should vote that's that's the uh, you, you like people voting i don't like very many people voting uh i'm i suggest that uh, people should put up a bond to vote 
but we don't need to talk about that now. <laughs> I, that's, I believe I'm the only person in the world who has this opinion, so that might be uh, that might be not appropriate. I'm not there, but uh, but I'll tell you, it's uh, it's the kind of thing where let 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 people make a decision because it's it's uh, I don't think that you can kind of morally say like I don't think someone who thinks geez, non-citizens should be able to vote here. You know, I'm not mad at you. I don't think you hurt anyone or, you know, man, I'm not trying to, I don't think this is some horribly divisive issue, but it is the sort of issue that I think citizens will come at from a legitimate standpoint. And when you see city councils um, doing it and you see a poll that shows they're doing, they're voting completely opposite to where the people are. That that should raise flags, even if the underlying issue didn't. Makes you wonder, why are, are politicians choosing a new electorate that the old electorate is not in favor of? That's, a, of course, an old theme at thisiscommonsense.org. Uh, people who've been reading it for a while have encountered it before. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and it is worth also noting that it that this idea is is not dissimilar uh, to what we've been seeing in the COVID business. As soon as they talk about wearing masks, that we should wear masks for a while, uh, it says, "Well, we don't want masks to become mandatory." You're saying the mask, and they say, "No one's saying masks to be mandatory. We just think you should wear a mask." And then they became mandatory. Yes. And then as soon as we start, heard, "Oh, they're rushing through a vaccine," you're going to demand that everybody be vaccinated and it's be a mandatory vaccination. And they say that's a conspiracy theory. But then within less than a year, that's exactly what they're advocating. The sponsor of this measure in New York City said, this is something that I hope spreads all over the country. And and uh, and look, if that's what he believes, then, then you can understand why. But I hope it gets voted on all over the country. I like democracy when you understand it as a as everybody ruling themselves. And then somehow we limit the state uh, and hopefully really well through people who are that's, <laughs> really that's, really well yeah, yeah that's my that's my main goal if we have to have states i'm more of a democrat than a democrat plato thought that democracy was the honorable thing and uh, democracy was the perversion of democracy but almost nobody's ever heard of democracy and maybe it's just because of my name that i know something about it what is democracy rule by men of honor property men of honor and that's what i when i mentioned bond uh, uh -huh. bond is that i think they should be to vote and to be in charge of the state you should have a vested interest and you should show that you're a responsible person and if you can't put up a savings account or you know this is my 200 bucks it's mine but it's it's somebody else's if i uh, lie about my voting or lie about uh, you know if i if i commit certain types of infractions that are political infractions then it can be taken away so if, if it turns out that your, your bond would be that you're not going to commit voter fraud, for instance, it could be that kind of thing. And that's right. what I'm talking about is that I think the, that everybody should have uh, should have a little bit of skin in the game. And, and the problem I see with modern democracy and certainly with this idea of non-citizen uh, voting is that they're trying to get as many people without skin in the game as possible to determine the outcome of elections and policy decisions. I think in the modern world, you can't go where where you're talking about, um, but I think the principle of having some skin in the game is, and the truth is, 
that's something that anybody who has ever experienced anything ever anywhere <laughs> has got to recognize that, you know, look, if people have no skin in the game, if people have, if it doesn't matter to them what happens, you know, and it matters like the Dickens to you, you really don't want them to have kind of equal decision-making power. And, um, and, it, and it's not a matter of disenfranchising people. It's a matter of saying, you know what? Mind your own business. This is clearly not your business because you don't care a whit about it. And, well, that, and part, that's sort part of, of that is not having the government do everything. Right. But part of the reason, and the reason I brought up my goofy theories is largely get that AF skin in the game. And it does apply to what you're talking about here, because a person who's temporarily in the country working and then voting doesn't have skin in the game in the way a citizen does, because the citizen is obviously intending to stay there a while, but the right. non-citizen has a legal right to leave. Right. Like sometimes may be required by law to leave. Right. Um, that was one of the earlier points you made is that you just don't want somebody who doesn't it, there's no vested interest in the whole process and citizenship is the way we express and define that vested interest or the vesting of the interest now today in this, in this world. Uh, right. I, I can imagine much better ways of doing it. And I'm kind of a post-citizenship person probably, but that's, that's all very theoretical right now. The idea of putting in non-citizens to vote seems like an insane idea. That's what it seems like to me. So I'm with you at your basic point, though <laughs> technically I might go off in very weird directions, as as I often do. I'm not going to deny that. Well, I'm going to take that as full victory, yeah. full unconditional. Anyway, uh, look, it, it's uh, people can disagree, but but I'll tell you more and more on these sorts of issues. Let people vote on it. 